Good morning, happy Saturday, and welcome to the all-new One America podcast. We're excited about our name change. Uh, We're excited about our new graphics and our new look. Make sure you give us a uh, look over. And uh, same great content, none of that's changed, but I wanted to uh, really focus this podcast on this moment that we find ourselves in. It's May 2020. Uh, Many of us have been shut in now since March, some states since early, mid-March, some since later March, and um, many states are beginning to reopen slowly uh, over the next week. Uh, But some states like here in Virginia and the D.C. Metro and other places in the country that continue to see uh, COVID cases on the rise, deaths on the rise, Um, Those states are going to slowly try to reopen and or just open certain sectors to see how we do. I want to get to a lot today. You know, Saturday Thoughts is one of my favorite segments of the podcast because it's kind of the recap of the whole week uh, that we've just had. And it's been a tough week for America. We continue to see unbelievable numbers of deaths in this country. I have personally now lost a relative and at least two friends a sorority sister, um, and it's been tough. Um, I am the ultimate optimist. If you follow me, if you read my books, if you watch me on television, the way I present myself is always, even if I have something tough to say, even if I have to be critical, which I don't like to be, I try to be an optimist. I try to always see the glasses half full. And in a moment like this, it really reveals who you are. Uh, we all have too much time to think now. We all have too much time uh, inside. We all have too much time where we are literally rearranging everything we know about our normal. Everybody says this is a new normal. It's an awful new normal, if you ask me. But there are some upsides to what has happened. Families have drawn closer. Um, fathers have spent time with their children in ways they probably never did before. Uh, mothers have... Uh, had to uh, really become expert at multitasking in a way that they hadn't had to do before. Um, Taking care of older relatives, neighbors, friends, looking out for each other. Those are the upsides to what's happened here. But one of the things that has me deeply concerned, and we're going to talk about it this morning, we're going to talk about the death and the brutal murder of Ahmoud Arbery in Brunswick, Georgia. Brunswick, Georgia is a community I've been to. Um, It's really off the coast of Florida, off Jacksonville. It is a beautiful coastal community. It's near Jekyll Island and some of the wonderful islands off the coast of Georgia. Uh, If you've never been, you should take a family trip. It's a peaceful community. It's 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 a good community. And the video that we've all now seen, um, at least probably half of America has viewed the awful, horrific video footage that was released of the young man, Amud Arbery, jogging in Brunswick early on a Sunday morning afternoon and uh, was accosted by two, uh, I don't even have words to describe what I think about these people. It's something out of a time to kill. It's something out of deliverance. It's something out of the worst movies, Ghosts of Mississippi. It's something out of the worst movies we've ever seen. It's something out of the worst chapters of Americans' uh, recent history in the 1960s and the the, uh, Jim Crow era uh, when my parents were young people. And it, 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 for African-Americans in particular, it strikes fear and terror 
of the worst things that we were told about growing up uh, that our grandparents and parents certainly knew firsthand. Um, my granddaddy, uh, he's gone now. Well, he's been dead now probably uh, 20 years. Uh, maybe it's been 19 years. Uh, but he was from Mobile, Alabama. He grew up off the coast in Dauphin and uh, was a wonderful man, uh, tall man, uh, big country boy. Uh, went off and, and joined the Army uh, to fight in World War II when he was just 17. He was, of course, in the Colored Soldiers uh, troop, and, and they could not fight. They could not do uh, service the way they wanted to. Uh, many were relegated to cooks. Of course, there was the Tuskegee Airmen who broke barriers and played a huge part in the success of World War II, but for the most part, they couldn't serve. And I remember him telling me stories about uh, being a boy and how he saw a lynching uh, one time when he was probably about eight years old and, um, you know, his father explaining to him the horrible thing that they were seeing and why there was a group of people that were looking who were white who were looking and pointing and uh, looking at it as if it was not a horrific, horrible uh, thing that caused, of course, the women there who were witnessing it to cry and scream out. But they were looking at it as if it were sport. And we're going to have a hard conversation today because this country doesn't get better. Uh, our marriages don't get better. Our relationships don't get better. Our friendships don't get better if we don't talk about things, particularly when they hurt, particularly when they're hurtful, particularly when they're damaging, particularly when they give us trauma and cause us to uh, flinch and they cause us to be fearful. Uh, in a global pandemic like this, people are already on edge. People are already concerned. 20.5 million jobs were lost from the economy. The report came out on Friday. Um, 34 million people are unemployed now. We are in Great Depression era numbers. So the stress on people financially and, and uh, being able to feed their families and, and keep a roof over their heads is immense in ways we have not seen since my grandmother. I still have a grandmother alive who's 90. So she remembers hard, hard times in this country uh, growing up in the South and then family moving uh, Oklahoma to California. And um, I'm grateful to still have her and be able to talk to her for context about this moment that we're in. Um, she says it feels very familiar uh, to her childhood and uh, the, the war and uh, post-depression era. So I want to talk about what happened to Amud Arbery. First thing I want you to do is I want you to go to the Daily Beast as I'm a columnist there, uh, if you follow me on Twitter at I am Sophia Nelson, the piece is pinned to the top of my Twitter feed so you can just push on it and read it. It might still be behind the paywall, but spend the dollar to read it. Support our online um, outlets, whether they be Time, Newsweek, The Daily Beast, The Washington Post, New York Times, uh, Washington Times, whatever it is. Uh, these are tough times, so support local journalists and national journalists and, and outlets because they need the support. But read the piece because I really, I hope, give you a raw, guttural response to the fact that we cannot continue to be a united, whole, one America, e pluribus unum out of many one, if we continue down this path, path of darkness, 
of division, of hateful words, of hatefulness, of disrespect. And it, and it doesn't start. Folks, people don't take a human life callously and laugh about it and, and feel entitled to, to uh, quote unquote, arrest somebody who's jogging just because they're black. Um, and to my white listeners, I need you to really hear me on this. I try to, again, always be respectful, uh, be a uniter. Um, I always want to have both sides of the conversation, but this is not a both sides, good people issue. You are not a good person when you're in the Klan. You're not a good person when you're a white nationalist or a supremacist. You're not a good person when you are intent and hellbent on killing, destroying, murdering other people because they're different from you. Whether it's because of their color, whether it's because of their gender, whether it's because of their faith, whether it's because of their sexual orientation, whatever it is, we don't kill other people. We don't destroy other people. We don't maim other people because we don't like who they are or we don't like what they represent. I thought, naively so, I'm a student of history, a student of politics. It's It's been most of my life. And I thought naively that that era of racial hatred was gone. I thought naively that uh, lynchings and, and hate crimes and, and all of that was an ugly part of our past that we had gotten beyond. I was wrong. It happens too often. And it's always the same excuse. Somehow the person, whether it's Trayvon Martin, who's going to get some Skittles and a bag of tea at the store, uh, whether it is little Tamir Rice, who's 12 years old with a toy gun playing in his yard like little boys everywhere do. The police are called on a 12-year-old little boy with a toy gun. And the police don't stop and, and roll up on the little boy and roll down the window and say, Hey, son, are you okay? You doing all right? What you doing there? Playing with your toy gun? No, they riddle his body with bullets and they kill him. Black men and women stopped in this country in 2016, in 2018, in 2019, in 2020, in their car for a traffic violation, somehow end up dead. The police are always afraid for their lives. They're always afraid when they have the gun, when they have the power, when even if the victim is fleeing on foot, like is what happened in South Carolina a few years back, and he gets shot down like a dog. Yet we see video after video. Listen to me now. Suck this up and hear it. Because if you love your country, you need to hear this. Yet video after video, we see white citizens accosting police in their face. There's a new video out with a white man wielding an axe trying to chop at the police. They don't shoot them dead. They try to talk them down. Video after video shows the difference with how white people are arrested and handled, how white people in distress or with mental illness are handled versus people of color. It's wrong. It's an execution. It is un-American. It is not who we want to be. I'm afraid it is who we are. And the question has to be asked, as I ask in my piece, why are we going back here? What is going on in our country, particularly right now when we should be coming together, helping each other, holding each other, lifting each other? What in the hell is happening to us that this has become our new normal? The hatefulness, the vileness on social media. I've fallen prey to it. I've told you before, I get the N-word said to me at least several times a, a month in my inboxes, uh, death threats, hate threats. People, if you disagree, disagree. America was not built on us having the same thoughts, the same beliefs, and the same likes. In fact, quite the opposite. E pluribus unum. Out of many, we're one. 
That many means we're diverse. That many means we're not going to always agree. We're not going to see things the same. We're going to worship differently. Some will be Catholic. Some will be Jew. Some will be Muslim. Some will be evangelical. Some will be Hindu. It, it is very important that we respect our differences. Our founding fathers understood that this nation would be great because it would welcome others who were different. It would include others who were different. And everybody who came here and who loved this country and who loved freedom and liberty and equality could be an American. Folks, we're losing hold of that. The rhetoric coming from the top, the very top of our leadership is disgusting. It's wrong. 77,000 dead Americans on this Saturday, on this Saturday uh, morning, 77,000 dead Americans, 1.3 million infected people. Don't you think we ought to be thinking about other things and talking about other things and figuring out how we can help each other and not do evil to each other? I do. I am distressed by this killing, one, because it's on video and we had to see it. And the reality is, had it not been leaked and had we not seen it and had the media not spotlighted it, had the media not put a light on what was happening, the reality is, is that these men, these monsters would still be walking around. Months went by. This murder happened in February. This is May. And the men just got arrested yesterday because of the fact that the national outcry was so great. The great and the small, both Joe Biden and Justin Amash, who were running for president, came out. President Trump finally commented on the video, calling it, quote, disturbing. He has the power to enact and to send the Justice Department down to open a civil rights investigation, and he should. And I hope that Kellyanne and some of his advisors talk to him directly and say, sir, you need to do more than be disturbed. This is a civil rights violation. This man's human rights were violated. The video doesn't lie that these men felt entitled to accost a black man jogging and to arrest him because they thought he was a burglar. There have been no reported burglaries in Brunswick over the last several months, not since the end of 2019. It's an upscale community. It is a wealthy community. I've been there speaking. It's a very nice community. And the op-eds being written, the pieces being written, as one uh, op-ed columnist wrote for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, it disgusted me. It's also on my Twitter feed. What was a black man thinking on a Sunday morning, uh, jogging in an upscale, mostly white neighborhood and thinking that he could get away with it? Wow. Really? Is that where we are? Is that where we are? You know, I know everybody thought after Barack Obama became president that somehow America was fixed, that racism was over. Because, by the way, we put a black man in the highest office in the land for not one but two terms. That's naive and it's ridiculous. Uh, That's not true. And it's borne out every day in what we see. When we look at the unemployment numbers from today uh, that came out this week, uh, black unemployment was double that of white unemployment. The same with Hispanics. It's always higher. Um, The health disparities in this COVID-19 crisis, blacks and Latinos disproportionately represented in the death numbers. And it deals directly with financial disparity and Um, a health of how we eat, how we live, the stress that we have. Folks, if we're going to be one America, we're going to have to do the work to talk about this, to 
understand what is going on in our country that has caused such hatred and division and murder and violence. It started in Charlottesville in 2017. A young woman lost her life. Uh, it, The nationalist who drove his car into the crowd that was peacefully protesting on the one side uh, now just got the death penalty. That young man's life over. Uh, that young woman dead. Uh, multiple people were injured severely. Uh, several to a degree that they will never walk again. These are young people. This isn't your, you know, some some dude that's 70 years old with his Confederate T-shirt on and a long beard and, a, and you know, a shotgun sit, sitting on his porch. That's not who this is. These protesters in Michigan uh, storming the statehouse with guns drawn with mass faces. Does anybody believe black and brown men could have done that and still be alive? You know, I open up my article in the Daily Beast this week uh, where I talk about this. Again, it's pinned to my profile on Twitter. It's on my Facebook page. But I open it up with a question and I, I talk about how my white friends always ask me, Sophia, why is it always about race? Why do black people always think it's about race? And it enrages me when they ask it. But as someone who's educated and an attorney and who's uh, had the privilege of working and meeting and being in the presence of some of the the greatest and, and most respected among us in our society. I know how to handle myself so I don't have the luxury of losing my temper, although I would like to often because the disrespect of even asking me a question like that is something I can't even describe to you. But it's always about race, as you ask us, because you make it about race. America made it about race. You know, the 1619 Project won a Pulitzer Prize. Ida B. Wells was given a Pulitzer Prize posthumously. Uh, look her up if you don't know who she was. Ida, I-D-A-B, middle initial Wells, W-E-L-L-S. And the 1619 Project has enraged whites and conservatives because they don't like the truth. The truth is, is that in 1619, 20 slaves were brought to Virginia, which was a colony, and... Uh, we commemorated that here in Virginia last year. 1619 to 2019 was 400 years. And we don't deny it happened here. Uh, but there are a lot of people who don't want to deal with the reality that this nation was built on free slave labor. It was. Go to Monticello. Go to Montpelier. Go to any of the homes of the presidents, particularly the first five of them. John Adams being the only exception who did not own slaves. He was from Massachusetts, which was a free state. But Washington, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe, they all had slaves. So the first five presidents of this great republic, actually about the first 11 out of 13, I believe, were slave owners. And you need to think about that when you talk about liberty and equality and how this country was formed. And the reason I bring that up is because after we got rid of slavery after 250 years, which was legalized, then we went to 100 years of legalized Jim Crow, where black people couldn't vote, they couldn't use the bathroom, they couldn't eat in a public restaurant, they couldn't get on a, on a transportation car unless it was in a colored section, a colored bathroom, a colored water fountain. That's our history, folks. This stuff just ended in the 1960s. I was born in the late 1960s. So this is not something that happened 200 years ago. This is with us. 
and there are attitudes and stereotypes and hatreds and people who aren't doing well in this country who happen to be white, who are suffering, who've lost jobs in Appalachia and in the Midwest and in the heartland, and they're, they're angry. And I understand that they're angry. But don't be angry at us. Because if you're hurting, like I said, check the unemployment. You've been to Chicago lately. You've been to uh, Philadelphia. You've been to Newark, New Jersey. You've been to the cities in this country that are broken and barren, that used to be thriving, and looked at the poverty rate for people of color. You're not just the only ones hurting. We're supposed to be in this together. And... When we allow those in power with the money and with the influence to divide us, this is what we get. You begin to believe, well, they're to blame for what's wrong in my life. That's what Hitler did in Nazi Germany. He told the Germans that the Jews were the reason that they didn't have what they wanted. The Jews had too much. The Jews were doing well at their expense. And what happened? What evil came from that? We don't think it can happen here, but it's happening. We don't think because we've been free and we've been blessed and we've been America. We don't think that it can happen here. It's happening. Liberty is being destroyed. We are under tyranny. And I say that as a patriot. This is not the America of our founding fathers. We're overtaxed. We're overregulated. The government has too much power in our lives. Uh, Our rights are threatened every day. Religious freedom under assault. Yes, the Second Amendment is one that I value. I'm a gun owner. Um, I love going to the range. I believe in the Second Amendment. But I also believe that those young people that are killed at high schools or every day around this country or the domestic violence where women and children are shot to death, those people had a right to be secure in their persons, which is also guaranteed in our Constitution and Bill of Rights. So there has to be a balance. We have to start talking. We have to start looking for solutions. We have to start being in this together. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, look at the language of the founders, union, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. Everything about what they understood was that they didn't always have to agree. There's this thing called the 10th Amendment. It's called federalism. The states have autonomy. This virus, I think, has given everybody a civics lesson and how that works. The governors, not the president, have had their uh, liberty to open, close, set parameters, set guidelines. They have that power, but we're still one great nation. To my white fellow Americans, I say this, you got to stop and you got to open your eyes. You've got to care when a young black boy is gunned down just as much as you care when a young white one is. When I see a young white man, a young teen boy, I'm not looking at what color he is. I'm looking at the fact that he was somebody's son, that he was a boy, that he had a future, and now it's gone. We have to begin to see each other as a family cut from the same tapestry of this thing called America. Amud Arbery was jogging. He was not disturbing the peace. He was not robbing someone's house. He was not uh, doing anything that should have cost him his life at the hands of two racist vigilantes. It's the same thing that happened to Trayvon Martin with George Zimmerman. 
The same thing has happened to countless young black men in this country, sitting in their cars, walking to the store. You can't jog while black. You can't cut grass while black. You can't be a doctor setting up a COVID testing table while black without being arrested. You can't sit in your dorm room. You can't go to a restaurant. What the hell is that? Who are we? Where are we? What are we doing? Is this the America you want your kids and your grandkids to inherit? Is this the America that 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 we're we're leaving where our leaders stoke up division and racism and hatred and and call black NFL players peacefully protesting, taking a knee. They didn't storm a capital. They didn't have any guns. They didn't spit in the face of police. They didn't get up in the police face without a mask in the middle of a pandemic. And they're called sons of bitches by the president of the United States of America. You tell me, who are we? Where are we? What are we doing? Folks, this is not the America that our founding fathers believed that we could create. They knew, they knew that slavery was wrong. Go read their papers. All of them knew. Uh, They knew it was sinful. They knew it was unholy. They knew it would eventually lead to a civil war, that it would eventually make the Union confront it, and it did in the 1860s. And thank God for Abraham Lincoln. And thank God for the radical Republicans like Thaddeus Stevens and others of that day who righted the wrong, who changed the history, who had the courageous, hard conversations, who bucked the tide, who didn't stick their head in the sand and ignore it like it didn't exist. And we must do the same now. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union. I'll end with this thought. You know, folks, America is the story of us. It is the story of all of us. Not some of us, but all of us. We're never going to all agree. We're never going to all see it the same way. And thank God, tension is necessary. Dissent is necessary. Push and pull is what made us who we are. But this is all of our country. I'm tired of hearing people talk about my country, my country this, and my country that, mine this, mine that. No, it's not yours. It's all of ours. And my ancestors have been here since slavery. My great, 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 fifth time removed grandmother was a slave, Viney. She married Grandpa Henry, who was a slave owner's son in Georgia. I can't imagine those two young people, him with his red hair and Irish roots and the son of a wealthy plantation owner falling in love with a slave girl and then running off to Oklahoma and then eventually ending up in California and having 13 kids. She was a seamstress. Viney and Henry. I've written about this. You can Google it. I've talked about them. I love my white great-great-great-great-great-grandfather as much as I love my black great-great-great-great-grandmother. Because of them, I am here. I am their legacy, as are my cousins and other members of my family. And I think about those two often, as well as on my other side, on my father's side, closer and just my great-grandparents, who were in South Carolina and North Carolina and fell in love. Papa was white. Grandma Ida was black and Native American. She was beautiful. And they had to flee in the night 
South Carolina and moved to the north to New Jersey in order that they could uh, in order that they could in order that they could um, be married and be safe. So I think it's so important that we have these conversations about who we are and what we're doing because we're on the wrong track. And I'm worried for us. If we keep this up, divided like this, angry like this, murdering each other, shouting each other, hating each other, we're not going to survive as a republic. We won't. So as we head into Mother's Day, I want to wish all the moms happy Mother's Day. My mom, aunts, grandmother. I want to wish you all happy Mother's Day. I want you be good to your mom. Dad, step up. Step up during the shut-in and get it done. Uh, Make your wife feel like a queen. Uh, She's the mother of your kids. Treat her good. Don't forget to call your mom. Don't forget to call your aunts. Take care of the older women in your life and look out for them. Um, I love this country. I love its people. I love its promise. Um, We're going to have to step up. We're going to have to do better. So happy Mother's Day. Happy the rest of Saturday. Um, And stay safe. Stay in. Um, stay alert, stay sober, stay well, take your vitamins, get a lot of rest, make sure you're eating well. Um, and if you need help, ask for it. There's no shame. Uh, last point, please donate to a food bank if you can. I'm going to, I'm about to leave in an hour and go take the groceries I bought yesterday to our church community, Church of Ashburn. And, uh, you've heard the podcast. I interviewed my pastor, Charlie Whitlow, uh, over Easter. So make sure you tune in for that. Uh, great word. Uh, it's all there on the podcast, but make sure you're helping your local food bank folks. Cause people are hurting. People are in trouble. People need food. Um, do what you can, even if you don't have a lot. I did a budget yesterday of a hundred dollars. That was our budget. We gave last month. We'll do it again next month. Um, and I went and I just bought a hundred dollars worth of food items on their list and I'm going to go take it now. So you can do something. You can help. Even if you think it's small, it will help. All right, you guys, I love you. Have those conversations. Be kind to your neighbors. Extend yourself to someone that doesn't look like you and it's not where you're from. And it will make you feel better. Excuse me, it will help this country come together. And remember our founding motto, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. God bless you. Thank you.